everyone and welcome to episode 10 of how to self-therapize we've made it to double digits welcome dr miller thank you rebecca and amazing double digits it's interesting when you start a project like this because you know episode one you're just beginning and now episode 10 and i'm like wow all of that knowledge and knowledge sharing becomes really important and you see how an idea grows into a project and hopefully it's a project that's benefiting many people mm-hmm. out there yeah and i think it'll continue to grow and evolve as we get more feedback and figure it out as we go as well Today's topic of conversation is how to spot gaslighting in your relationships. So we're kind of going along with a theme in these last couple of episodes on how to promote healthy relationships and maintain healthy relationships. How does gaslighting kind of come into play here? What's the importance of discussing this? You know, gaslighting is such an interesting topic and one that's become way better talked about I would say in about the last five years, you've seen sort of this surge of new knowledge, new information. Um, The topic itself has been around for a long time, but if you look at sort of the relevance in our lives and how we're able now to articulate what does it mean, what does it look like, how do we respond to it, it really has just taken off. And I feel that even in my own practice, um, thinking about Uh, clients capacity to come in sometimes and they sit down and say you know I read this book I read this article I want to talk about gaslighting and what is gaslighting I mean it if you do the shorter version of a definition for gaslighting it really is about power and control Mm -hmm. it's about someone in some ways taking control of someone else and it's usually done through a psychological you know mechanism in a relationship where people are gaslighted into thinking they don't understand believe know and that the person that's controlling them in that relationship they know better than the person themselves so if I have a feeling and someone's trying to gaslight me, they might say something like, let's say I said out loud, you know, I'm just feeling really afraid right now. If someone's trying to gaslight me, they could say something like, you're always afraid. And you know what? That's an is- you issue mm-hmm. versus really asking some of the questions around, well, why don't we talk about why you're afraid? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something in this relationship or environment that really needs to be changed so I can feel safer in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's 100% it. It is a power dynamic. It is someone trying to take control of the narrative Mm -hmm. and with a manipulation mechanism to that psychological, emotional piece. And I think talking about the concept of gaslighting really goes along with what we've been trying to do on the podcast, which is if people don't know about unhealthy tendencies and patterns in their lives or in their relationships, then they won't know how to A, name it, and they won't know how to be, you know, do something to stop it or even know that it needs to be stopped. So first of all, how do people spot it and what's the best way to tell that it's happening within a relationship? First, we need to kind of understand what gaslighting is. So it's a form of emotional abuse, like you mentioned, uh, within relationships where one person convinces their target that they're either remembering things wrong or misinterpreting events. And the gaslighter is trying to kind of manipulate the other person and presents their own thoughts and feelings as the truth and the only correct way of thinking. This term has been more popularized in recent times, but I imagine gaslighting has been taking place for long before kind of the social media age. 
And I guess my first question is, what possesses people to start to gaslight their partners and manipulate them in this kind of way in the first place? Of course, it I'm sure varies from person to person, but why this specific mechanism, do you think? Yeah, that again is a really big question because it's not like a one of. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back to the dominance and submission model, that power and control model that you're talking about, um, someone with intentionality can choose to gaslight to keep control of another person or another group of people because not just a one-on-one like interpersonal it can be intra-professional right it can be in communities it can be by an institution towards its employees there's lots of different different ways this gaslighting plays out so one of the things you look at is intentionality are people intending to because they want control and if they're seeking that control then they're actually um, in their own way strategically thinking about what they're going to say to control someone else or someone's a group of, of people and in that is that choice right to actually be abusive but they would dismiss that and just say, you know, maybe they're the knower of something or they need to do this because they have to, you know, make sure someone's making better choices. So the dynamic in it is, yes, it's an intentional act to control someone else. Sometimes, though, people don't live with that as much awareness and maybe they're patterning out something that's been done to them through across the lifespan. So then they do it in an unintentional way. And then when someone calls them out, though, they get to choose to understand they're doing it and then change that behavior, right? And Mm -hmm. that can actually be quite effective. If Mm -hmm. someone doesn't understand that's what they're doing, they're just playing out a habit. Right. And so that mode of kind of gaining control could have been, the perpetrator could have actually experienced that in the vulnerable state within childhood or even observed it. And that's kind of the only way maybe they know how to interact within a relationship or they were modeled that power dynamic. And it could be modeled anywhere. Like it Mm -hmm. can be in the family. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, any um, group or group process where sometimes people are in sports and or some sort of interest. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden someone that has some kind of power begins to use gaslighting as a way to manipulate, mm-hmm. right, and to control young people or a group of people. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that all of a sudden everyone is asking, like, how did this happen? And it's like, look back into sort of the psychology of the process, mm-hmm. and you usually see that gaslighting. And people that are good at gaslighting can control the people that they want to have power over, but they also control the narrative of those that might be the parents of or the people that could protect those they show up sometimes as very likable kind of very powerful and so people don't challenge out what they're actually doing with Mm -hmm. children or other people that are at risk right or even the victim won't feel necessarily comfortable in disclosing what that gaslighter might be doing to them Right. And, and kind of that fear piece too. Because the gaslighter can have a lot of power in the, the psychology of it, that they're dismissing the person that they're choosing mm-hmm. to control so mm-hmm. much and playing around with their psychology. They actually get them to fear talking about it and to also potentially not believe that anyone would believe them. Right. There's a psychoanalyst, Dr. Robin Stern, who's the associate director at the Uh, Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. She actually wrote the book on the gaslight effect. Um, She offers some warning sign questions that people can ask themselves if they suspect that they're being gaslighted. 
Um, and I wanted to share so I, that people have a better idea of kind of the interactions to look out for. So if you're constantly second guessing yourself, if you find yourself asking, am I too sensitive dozens of times a day? Frequently making excuses for your partner, like we just mentioned, um, to your friends or loved ones and family, or on the other side, could be withholding the total truth or withholding information about your partner's behavior to your loved ones. Um, another question could be if you have a sense that you used to be a very different person before the relationship, or maybe, um, you know, the honeymoon phase versus now. Um, feelings of hopelessness and joylessness, um, etc. There's many questions she outlines there. I'll also attach these in the episode description. So what are some of the effects that come with gaslighting? Now that people have kind of a starting point for how to detect gaslighting in their lives, let's discuss how enduring this for long enough can have negative effects, not only for mental health, but also in creating unhealthy codependent relationships, which in turn could make it difficult to leave. So first off, what are the impacts on mental health that you think could be expected from this gaslighting? Well, a lot of what you'll see is you will see some of that anxiety, you know, people feeling like they're around second guessing, um, they're anxious to make decisions, they're anxious to talk about things. They might even second guess why they're talking about it, and so they doubt. And so around that can be some of that anticipatory anxiety. It's almost like you're now worrying about whether or not you should be worrying and that you should be talking about this. So you'll see some of that, you know, a sense of worry, dread can show up for people. You also see uh, self-esteem gets impacted. A lot of times people you know, show up with a sense of, I don't, you know, not mattering, not making the choices, feeling like their life has been less lived. And that, you know, because they don't believe in themselves and the gaslighting has impacted them not to believe they have worth, that their feelings are, you know, their feelings that emotions they knew they were feeling weren't relevant. So you get this sense of self-esteem that they're struggling in who they are. And so all of that actually can turn into more complex mental health over, you know, the lifespan, which depression can come in at times. And those relationship dynamics is a lot of times they're afraid to get into another relationship because they don't believe they'll be able to handle it or that something might be wrong with the way they're going to express themselves as a person or they're not of worth. And so you'll get those dynamics, and you talked a little bit about it with codependency. Codependency can come from the fawning side of stress response, so fight, flight, freeze. Fawning is when I need to make it better for someone else in order that I be okay. And so that leads to codependency, which is if I don't make this okay for you, then I'm not going to have a relationship or the relationship won't be good. And I'm responsible. I'm now emotionally responsible for your well-being because that has come through the gaslighting process. That if someone has gaslit me into believing that who I am is not of worth and that they, they know better than me, then I'm always trying to appease that person. And that turns into fawning through mm-hmm. a stress response. And that turns into some of the codependency we'll see in relationships when we don't take our power back, when we don't start defining ourselves, our needs, owning our emotional space and knowing we have a right to take that boundary back, right? Mm -hmm. That I do know my thoughts or I'm choosing to learn how to know my thoughts and to honor my emotions. Right. And in addition to that fawning piece, 
when it comes to the relationship itself, the prolonged gaslighting can also result in obvious loss of trust in that person because of the difficulty, not only loss of trust in the person, but even trusting yourself, right? Because it's the constant difficulty in identifying what is real in the relationship and what the real truth is. And if you're constantly being questioned, you might not even believe yourself after a certain point and question your own kind of truth. Well, and I think that point, Rebecca, is so important you do lose over time or you see this in some of the work and you know look at the research around impact that trust in self because you lose yourself if someone else is constantly defining you Mm -hmm. and constantly saying you don't know what you're talking about and I know what I'm talking about in relation to what you should be talking about or what you should be feeling and what emotions you should be having or not you lose your sense of self because our self is defined it's co-created in the world that we um, exist in and that's with the people and experiences if your dominant person is gaslighting you you lose the essence of who you are and the trust in self Mm -hmm. to be able to know yourself that's why coming out of a relationship where there's been a lot of gaslighting takes time it's really like a whole reconstructing of yourself to be able to understand what you are feeling in this moment and what you might need even when you get up and enter into your day what is it like to choose you know some of your choices and not to feel so much doubt Mm -hmm. whether or not that is a good thing or not because now you're defining it Mm -hmm. something that kind of is linked to that loss of trust in self from prolonged gaslighting is a lot of self-blame because of all of that name calling that might happen um it could begin to be a big risk factor for mental health and other aspects of life, of course. So now that we've talked about some of the negative effects that could result from prolonged gaslighting, what can people do about it? So Dr. Robin Stern talks about um, the gaslight effect that is gradual and over time uh, between the gaslighter and the gaslightee, where if this is enabled for long enough, the gaslighter is able to define the reality of the relationship, like you mentioned, And she talks about this happening in stages because, of course, nothing really is a linear development when it comes to relationships because it is so variable. Uh, She says the first stage is the victim kind of being in disbelief about the exchange and the um, gaslighting interaction that's taking place for the first time. The next step being uh, defense against the manipulation, so trying to retaliate as much as uh, the victim can. And then the last stage, as if it continues to that point, is depression, where the chronic stress manifests into something a lot more serious. More importantly to identifying the potential stages that people might endure with the prolonged gaslighting is to explore some of the protective factors and the strategies in order to step out of these unhealthy cycles that result from gaslighting. So Dr. Robin talks about the first is being willing to leave or to know, at least identify, that you do not have to live with being gaslighted in the event that every single one of your attempts to stop it have failed. Um, Another piece that can be a protective strategy is to have compassion for yourself by engaging with your social support networks around you, your loved ones, professionals around you, and having patience for your own process to kind of leave that cycle of um, gaslighting and, and any unhealthy tendencies that come with that. 
in my eyes, I think therapy is one of the prime ways that people can have compassion for themselves just by showing up and being vulnerable with a professional and kind of reliving those experiences. How do you think therapy and, and seeking professional help can contribute to a process of healing to this kind of emotional abuse? Well, therapy can be that safe space, mm -hmm. right? It is a relationship with the intentionality to create a process where you are heard and validated. And then if the educational component is your therapist has awareness and has done work in and around this topic area, around gaslighting, then then they bring in that education to hold some of that knowledge building with you that you can then begin to recognize those experiences you went through were because of the impact of the gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And remember, everybody has a right to be safe, but if your primary relationship isn't safe, you may not be able to, one, reach out and ask for it until you reach in to a professional relationship and then you're validated. It is your right to have that safety and then to have the understanding. And that's what will bring you out of that internalized self where you had come to disbelieve that you had the right or that you had the worth. You have to externalize it. And therapy in a therapeutic space is one of the ways, right, that we can begin to in externalize with someone else supporting you and then make meaning and understand and then take action. You start to set some of those action points, whether you're leaving that person or you're setting boundaries or you're asking that person to come in and have some conversation so you can do some corrections if that's something that that person would even engage. Because mm -hmm. usually people around power and control until they recognize they were or they choose to recognize that they were actually enacting that abuse, that they wanted dominance over who you were, they're not coming in, you know, for therapy. So a lot of times, you know, it is about figuring out what's the best way to be able to act out, to be able to take this externalized understanding of the impact of gaslighting into your relationships, set the boundaries, but also knowing that someone might not accept that boundary. And then what do you need to do? Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty of, you know, the therapeutic work is it, it, it does help. And that's what research tells us. I mean, the, the most important tool in the therapeutic relationship is the relationship itself. Mm -hmm. A safe relationship mm -hmm. with someone that's seeking to understand and validate who you are is the beginning of actually some of the transformative work that can happen around gaslighting and its impact. Yeah, absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I think the beauty of, of therapy and mental health work is that people could feel so unsafe in every domain of their life and feel like they don't have that safe space. But then when it is that time to come to therapy, you know, once a week or however often is that without fail, that relationship will always be a safe space to feel validated, to feel heard, to feel all of the important pieces of a healthy relationship that you might not get elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think when we can you know know that our relationship i mean it is within relationships we are hurt it is within relationships we are healed mm -hmm. and that's the power of a good therapeutic relationship it is the cornerstone to healing and you know people when people enter into a healing relationship it may be the first time they were validated in their emotional kind of experience so there can be lots of vulnerability coming mm -hmm. in but once that safety is created and they get a chance to be heard, 
you just see the relief and that is what can contribute to them feeling of course stronger and more able to go back into their lived experience because one hour of therapy in the office 23 at home which means Mm -hmm. you have to take your experience from therapy and Mm -hmm. take it back into your lived experience right right? and you touch a really important point too is the rapport and the clinician client relationship and of course not everyone is going to experience this relief right off the bat with any first you know mental health professional they meet with it's really important to find the right fit for you and that might take time which can be discouraging for a lot of people but once you find that and you really commit to it and lean into it it can be extremely beneficial for many reasons Mm -hmm. for sure so ultimately to avoid reaching this third stage of the gaslighting effect which is this chronic stress and depression piece it's really important to remember that people have the autonomy to take action and exit a destructive dynamic within a relationship, whether that's temporarily exiting a power struggle within a conversation and opting out of participating within the argument, or more permanently deciding to stay or go after figuring out if this person can change their gaslighting habits, and if you're both willing to put in the work to change that relationship's dynamics or not. That is everything for today's episode on spotting gaslighting. I will attach all of the resources used to inform today's episode in the description. And again, thank you so much, Dr. Miller, for joining me today. And thanks everyone so much for listening. You're welcome, Rebecca. And remember everyone, I'm going to say in relation to today's um, discussion topic, gaslighting, that you matter. And you matter and that if you're in a relationship and you feel that you're not getting the validation and being seen as the person you are, that we want you to know that there is help out there. And Rebecca is going to put the um, the links in and the information in. And then around that, be brave. And be brave means to know that any step you take out to get some connection with therapy, that's because you do matter. And the person receiving that is going to be able to, you know, create those safe conversations with you and to be strong. You're already strong when you're getting through some of these difficult situations, specific to gaslighting, and to take care of yourself because the impact, as Rebecca said, longer term is there is a lot of negative impact. So today is really about understanding that you do matter and be brave, be strong, and take care of yourself. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 